Welcome to Breaking Down Critical Race Theory, Implications, Perspectives, and Impact. Today, we will be covering some background information about critical race theory, and then diving into two interviews where we can find out what is being translated into the world compared to the facts. Critical race theory emerged as a framework for legal analysis in the late 1970s and early 1980s. It is very complicated as there are many different definitions and often is misconstrued as a method for shaming white people into feeling guilty for the past. When all is broken down, it can be an effective way to introduce children to the concepts of the lasting social and structural impacts of historical oppression stemming from racism. In spring of 2021, the topic of critical race theory began taking over the media as conservative lawmakers began debating bills which would ban the use of critical race theory in American K through 12 classrooms. What these conservative lawmakers and their supporters do not seem to understand is that critical race theory is not what would be truly being taught in classrooms and are using it to ban speaking about race in any sort of way within these environments. Now that we have some basic knowledge about CRT, Let's see what other people have to say. We've interviewed two people, a current professor and a student who is hoping to be a teacher in the future. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Scarlett Downing. I'm a current freshman at BU Wheelock studying education and human development with the Teach and Learning Pathway. Yes, yeah, so my name is Philippe Copeland. I'm a clinical assistant professor at the School of Social Work. Um, my areas of interest include uh, social change, health equity, and anti-racist education. During the interviews, we asked general questions about what their understanding is in terms of critical race theory, as well as what is happening today across the country with education legislation surrounding this controversial topic. The first question we asked was about their background with CRT and if they have a general understanding about it. I have learned a lot about critical race theory in some of my classes, um, not necessarily under its name. I feel like we kind of just talked about critical theory and then applied it to race and didn't really say, hey, you're learning critical race theory. Um, but I definitely have learned about the implications of analyzing people's backgrounds and acknowledging people's backgrounds and um, being able to recognize how they affect our lives. Yeah, I actually teach critical race theory. <laughs> so I, I know a few things about it. I'm familiar with it. I also was introduced to the concept uh, when I was doing legal studies uh, as an undergrad. And so I was trained by people uh, who had a critical approach to the law. Um, and so that was my first introduction. And now as a professor, um, I introduce people to uh, critical race theory um, in our required course called uh, racial justice, and cultural oppression. In order to dive into this conversation, Professor Copeland explains the background of critical race theory. The way I like to think of it is that um, critical race theory is an effort to answer an important question, a question that I think was important to many people um, in the post-civil rights period, which was basically, why is it that making racism illegal and rendering it socially unacceptable was not sufficient to solve the problem of racism. You know, why was that not enough to uh, sort of cure us of this ailment? Why, um, you know, in the 70s, the 80s and beyond, right, right when this theory was being developed, did we see many of the same uh, outcomes 
that have been familiar for non-white people in this country for generations. And so that's how I think about critical race theory. And it came from obviously a legal context. And so a lot of the people who were thinking these things came out of the law and they were looking specifically at law as a system um, that helps to perpetuate racism, right? We talk a lot about the idea of racism being systemic. I think it's important to point out that critical race theorists are not the first people who talked about these things. And there's actually a long tradition of folks uh, going back as far as Du Bois um, who were asking similar questions, right? Because certainly um, after Recon during Reconstruction, a number of amendments, for example, were passed and added to the Constitution um, that were really, really radical revolutionary amendments. But again, the passage of laws was not sufficient uh, to deal with the problem of racism. And even some degree, um, a, a sort of shift amongst some people and being a bit more accepting uh, was not sufficient, right? The multiracial solidarity efforts of the period were not sufficient, right? Racism remained a problem. And so that's how I think about CRT is it's, it's really an effort to answer that question. Why is racism still with us? Jumping to the present use of CRT, Scarlett goes on to explain how CRT has become a popular term and how it was confusing to recognize what it is. Um, I definitely think it has a lot to do with the publicity around critical race theory. It has become what one would call some sort of buzzword that you either have a really positive or really negative reaction to um, without really understanding it at all, which is, you know, earlier I alluded to, or I mentioned that um, when I've been taught critical race theory, it's been less under that term and more just, this is critical theory, let's apply it to race. Um, and it wasn't until, this is a really specific personal experience, but it wasn't until Thanksgiving last year that I was explaining to my uncle some stuff I was learning in one of my classes at BU. And he was like, oh, you're learning critical race theory. And then I was like, oh wait, you're so right. <laughs> and I just hadn't put that together um, because we've been talking about critical theory, which um, is the same concept applied to more than just race, you know, gender and sexuality and um, everything else ableism all of that um and yeah I put two and two together and realized oh wait this is that word that the media is saying is the worst thing to ever teach students it's actually just um thinking about people's backgrounds and putting them into perspective when you are teaching them Copeland also talks about how political CRT has become and explains how this is manufacturing controversy some of the, the chief architects of this particular campaign have been very explicit about the fact that this is politically motivated, um, that they don't really care about the actual content of CRT, uh, that CRT is meant to provoke an emotional reaction and to create certain kinds of negative associations in the minds of the audience that they're trying to reach. They've been very clear about it. Um, and this has been documented, what they're doing it's part of an overall strategy of disinformation. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you dig a little bit, you see um, that the strategy is very clear. And part of what they are doing with CRT is similar to, you know, what they do with things like socialism or Marxism. You know, these words simply become these big scary words that people are able to use and you get to evoke a response. And it creates a negative association and often uh, triggers fear and aggression. 
right? Um, and so the propagandists know exactly what they're doing. And part of what myself and others have tried to do is to expose them, right? So that people really understand that this is not a good faith debate about the content of the education that kids are receiving at all. And frankly, I wish it was because I think we do need to have a debate. We should care about the quality and content of what our children are learning, but that's not what this debate is about um, at all. <laughs> and in some ways it's actually really frustrating because it's preventing us from having, I think, a much more productive conversation about how to improve the quality and content of education that kids are receiving. Because I'll tell you right now, you know, somebody who educates adults, and I said this in an interview I did recently for uh, a publication out of Alabama, every single time I teach the subject, I hear from students, particularly white students, I never heard that, I never learned that, nobody ever told me that, and I have yet to hear any of them say, I'm so glad that happened because it made me feel better. Nobody ever says that. What I see is a sense of betrayal, of frustration, of anger, um, of feeling that they were lied to and misled uh, by people that they respected. And so, you know, I would love to get to the point where people don't reach adulthood uh, completely unprepared to live in this world as equals um, across race because we have a crisis of folks who simply do not have the knowledge, the values, the attitudes, or the skills necessary for multiracial democracy in any form. They are deeply underprepared. Um, and we need to change that. And that's the debate we need to be having, because that's the real problem, not CRT. In our conversation, Scarlett mentioned that she learned critical theory rather than critical race theory. So we asked her what that is. Critical theory, as I understand it, is this the same basic um, concept of critical race of critical race theory, which is to um, identify and like, what is the word I'm looking for? Consider, that's the word I was looking for. To consider people's race and background and the differences between yours and theirs and your intersectional racial position um, and then teach according to that. Um, and then teach people, other people to recognize that. It's the same concept, just applied to a broader perspective than just race. Um, so an example that we talked about in one of my classes was like, um, when you're reading a textbook, you know, examining where, who put out this information? Why are they pushing this narrative? Um, where does this information come from? What are other perspectives that aren't being considered? Um, and just, yeah, having a critical eye, which, some people could say it's pessimistic, but I think it's just trying to learn better. We asked Professor Copeland how much he has followed this current discussion of CRT. Yeah, I'm actually very familiar with it. I've been following uh, developments since um, during the last regime. Uh, there were these first sort of publicized efforts to attack CRT, uh, to ban CRT in terms of the federal government and training, etc. I've been following those developments since then, all the way through uh, the most recent uh, set of so-called anti-CRT bans that are sweeping the country. I've also been involved along with the uh, Zen Education Project in engaging in advocacy to push back against this legislation, to push back against the attacks on academics and educators that are happening around the country. Um, and so I've been very, very involved in uh, sort of resisting the systemic backlash that uses CRT as kind of a boogeyman 
um, a boogeyman that is intended to uh, provoke and manipulate white reaction. Um, so I've been very involved really since the, the beginning of this particular stage of the struggle. We also asked them about the perception of the left-leaning area and the rise of this movement. Yeah, you know, I, I'd like to take a, take a minute to question that question a little bit. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, you probably know that anti-CRT bills have been passed in New Hampshire and in Rhode Island, right? Yeah. I mean, these are New England states that are right next to us, right? And so I would question the, the notion that this is a more left-leaning left environment. Yeah. Um, there is uh, very much support uh, for sort of Trump country and MAGA in this area. I've heard, for example, from colleagues that there are efforts to um, advocate for CRT bans in Milton, right? Milton is right next to us. Um, so people are showing up to school committee meetings and making these kinds of arguments. And so I, I just want to kind of push back on the perception um, that somehow we're in an area that is less uh, vulnerable to this kind of stuff. We're really not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, I mean, so far, you know, because I'm at the School of Social Work and it's actually, you know, sort of required that students are introduced to this stuff. I mean, I haven't had it in a situation where anyone's trying to stop me from doing it. Uh, but so far, so good. Um, so that's how I'd respond to that. We asked Scarlett about CRT and how much she learned about it in her educational experience and whether or not it was formally or informally taught to her. I went to school on Long Island for middle school and high school and then in Queens, New York for elementary school. And my racial education ended at cultural day, which was the day that I made a big poster board and put Scotland and Germany and Austria and all the 12 countries in Europe I'm from on a board and then wrote a fun fact about them. Um, and that is all I remember about cultural day. So that goes to show that no, I was not taught up critical race theory. <laughs> as far as my public education goes, um, anything I learned about race or differences between people was informally. Um, when we did talk about race, it was from a historical perspective. It was this slavery happened a million years ago. Um, Christopher Columbus came and caused a plague a million years ago. And these things don't affect you at all. Um, and it wasn't until I was older that people in my classes started to have opinions, people who um, knew more than I did and cared more than just the curriculum to really add that extra piece um, and have class discussions and say, hey, actually my family is still affected by slavery. Um, so yeah, it was definitely informal. We asked them how they feel about this possible restriction about curriculums. Yeah, I think it's very alarming. I think that everybody should be deeply concerned that this, this kind of, uh, these bans really are representative of deeply authoritarian tendencies. Um, I think that they're very much connected to the issue of banning books, for example. Um, in my work, I've um, been saying that what we're seeing here is not really about CRT at all. Um, it's an effort to mandate miseducation and that frankly, that I call that a crime against the mind. Um, it's profoundly abusive uh, to the education of all people, but particularly young people, um, to essentially try to mandate miseducating them about issues of racism. I say that both as a scholar and as a parent of school-aged children. Um, it should alarm and outrage everybody.
I hope not too much. I mean, a big part of what I think about teaching is that it has to come from knowing your students. Um, and if it is being ruled by legislation, then that's kind of difficult for classroom teachers to do. So fingers crossed that it's not too big of an impact and that teachers can do what they know is best for their students. But if there is a big impact, I, as a teacher, will be sure to do my best to work within guidelines um, and give my students the best education I can and advocate to change those legislation where I see fit. Now we focus on something close, on BU's campus. We have a student perspective as well as a professor's experience on how BU is handling this. Yes, um, when I am talking to my friends and like explaining my new LELOC education human development major, I always reference that the first day that we met like as the freshman class of this new major, um, the first thing they said to us was like, we're training you guys to be system changers. And I always, when I'm explaining my major, that's the first thing I explain that like the whole reason we have this new program is to focus on equity and diversity and inclusion. Um, and so I definitely think that from my perspective as someone who didn't know very much and now knows more, they're doing a good job. Um, I obviously am a white woman and like can't speak for a minority in my class, but from my perspective, I have learned a lot and I continue to learn and pretty much every class that I've taken, even if it has nothing to do or like quote unquote has nothing to do with race, brings it up because it is important and it does have something to do with it. That's a good question. Uh, certainly within my school, uh, we've talked a bit about it. We actually put language in the syllabi addressing the controversy and the attacks on CRT to provide some context for students um, so that when they start reading about it, they, they, they kind of understand that, you know, in, in some context, them even hearing about it is considered controversial um, and could often could even uh, have them be targeted by association. So that's one of the things is to just be very explicit about what's been going on. Um, we have had some um, conversations about attacks on academics and faculty, right, and really preparing ourselves uh, for these really, you know, systematic kind of campaigns of harassment that we've seen against other faculty um, in other settings. Um, I, for example, and this wasn't specifically about CRT, it was really more related to sort of general writing in this area, where I linked the attacks on CRT, the book bans, uh, voter suppression, et cetera, to the January 6th attacks. Um, and I talked about them as a kind of a, a next stage in an attack on democracy and freedom in the United States. I got a very um, unpleasant <laughs> communication uh, with a bit of name calling and et cetera. And it ended up, you know, involving, you know, the provost's office and the campus police and all this other stuff. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, people are concerned about it because um, it's really no joke. I mean, people are, have received death threats in some places. People are losing jobs in some places. Um, so it, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty significant situation. Uh, so far, I haven't directly experienced those things yet. Um, none of my colleagues have experienced those things. Um, one of the things that happened in terms of my work with the Zen uh, education uh, campaign 
was that there was um, um, a kind of a pledge that people made to teach the truth about race in America. Um, I found out from people who track uh, the right wing that myself and other people who had been signatories to um, that letter, uh, that our names had been published in right wing circles. Um, and that was brought to my attention. Again, so far, um, you know, I haven't received any threats or harassment, uh, but this is the environment that we're in. And so I'm, I'm prepared, <laughs> I'm ready. I've studied uh, these folks very carefully over the years. I know their tactics um, and I have my strategies to respond. Um, and my hope is that the university uh, will also be prepared to support faculty um, if and when we become targeted by these folks, because I think it's just a matter of time. We also asked Scarlett if she is prepared to talk about CRT. Because I know I want to be an elementary teacher, um, my understanding is very much at that level. I think I could talk to children about this. Um, and I talk to my friends and like in less formal situations about it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm fully, I, I'm, what am I saying? Hold on. I don't think I'm formally trained to talk about this to like a whole bunch of adults. Mm -hmm. um, I am not the end all be all like educator on that. But if you gave me a classroom of kids, I think I could handle it. Um, and if you gave me a room of my friends or family members, I could handle it. Um, and I know that that will change and information will keep getting updated and I will keep learning new things and I will keep getting more and more educated. Um, so I know that that's like an ongoing process, but I do think that I have a good base to go off of as I continue my career as a lifelong learner. Professor Copeland gives us good resources if we want to advocate on this topic. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of examples. So again, the Zen Education Project um, is a great resource. I'd encourage people to learn more about that. Um, they're doing all kinds of also really important work around just accurate, the accurate teaching of history and not just the anti-CRT piece, but um, it's an op opportunity to be involved in activism and get regular updates. The African American Policy Forum, which is led by critical race theorist Kimberly Cr Crenshaw, um, also has been doing work in this area. They've actually launched a, a campaign called Truth Be Told. Uh, which provides not only accurate information about CRT, but also provides accurate information about the real motivation and the facts behind the anti-CRT campaign. That's a great place to get um, information and to, to get sort of plugged in. Um, so those are two of the ones that I would say pretty immediately, you're gonna get accurate information and you're gonna get some opportunities to do some activism and to stand up and to support other people. So absolutely, I would say those two. Scarlett mentions a class that she recommends at BU for those wanting to learn more. Yeah, um, one of my, probably my favorite class I've taken and like what will say my favorite class and probably the most important class I've taken was, I think it's SCDCE 342. Um, little shout out on the code if you want to take it. Um, it is anti-oppressive practices. Um, the entire class was based around critical race theory um, also other pedagogy like culturally responsive teaching, um, critical theory in general, and just how to be conscious of the differences and social 
changes and structures that are present in the classroom, how to navigate them, how to support your students wholly in their intersexual, intersexual, intersectional position. Um, and I absolutely love that class to the point of like now when it's brought up in other classes at a less specific level, it feels redundant because I was like, we, we went into this. Always a good refresher, not telling them to stop it, but like love having that base and having that be the first class that I had to take here at BU. Very, very helpful. And Professor Copeland leaves us on one last note. Wow. <laughs> There's so many things. What I would say is, um, you know, please keep your eye on this issue. Uh, this is extremely important and it's all connected, all of it. CRT bans, book bans, voter suppression, efforts to criminalize protest, uh, systemic harassment, efforts to silence, you know, academics, educators, journalists, activists. Um, all these things are part of a coordinated campaign that represents a very particular kind of political vision for the country. And if you don't share that vision, you gotta pay attention, you gotta stand up, you gotta speak up. Um, because honestly, what happens in the next few years is gonna affect the, the next few decades, uh, no joke. Um, uh, the risk is real and the hour is late. And so I, I actually want people to be alarmed and I want them to be organized, uh, particularly younger people, um, because you know, this is the nation that you're gonna be inheriting um, and it's a scary time out there, you know? So stand up and fight for the future that you want. Thank you for listening. And we hope that you learned a little bit about critical race theory. This episode is a part of the Hub 420XC Unheard Voices, deconstructing the dominant narratives by inclusion, final project. Mm -hmm.